Hey yo, it's Blue baby, and you're now rocking with Blue Dope. Today's guest is none other than William Tyrone Toms of The Wreck. Uh, if you didn't hear about The Wreck yet, you must be under a rock, especially if you're anywhere in the Northeast. I mean, this brother's been on the Forbes 30 and the 30. He has a TED Talk, but you know, we're we going to have the Blue Talk today, the Blue Dope Talk. So it was good. I heard Philly's in the building. Yo, Philly's definitely in the building, bro. I'm uh, <laughs> glad to be here, bro. Appreciate you I, having me. I, I gotta. I know you. You definitely Philly represents a lot of things for you, but I gotta get the Philly stuff out the way right out the gate. Let's do best, it. Best Philly cheesesteak. Ishka Bibbles on South Street. Ooh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm going Max's. Ishka Bibbles is up there for me though. Top three. Yes, sir. Uh, Look to me, it's, it's Ishka Bibbles on South Street, or were we at the the corner store somewhere in North? There you go. There, oh, I, I feel you. Now, the next one is State Prop or Dream Chasers. Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a real tough one. But just, just to throw it back, I got to say State Prop, man. They were real, yeah. real foundational for me. Yeah, no, I, yo, Beanie Siegel, it's it's funny, man. Beanie Siegel's in, in my top five, just period. He's not someone who gets mentioned in everyone's top five. For me yeah. personally, Siegel's just top five I, I respect that you know i gotta say like for me meek was a, a someone i got to really watch grow and i feel like i grew up with meek yes. you know from dirty braids and all that but I, <laughs> but I feel like the first time i really saw some folks that looked like me go and build something that i saw that i could respect and i was like they're doing it on their own terms that was state proud state so, proud yeah, so i gotta ask what part of philly you from my family's from germantown Oh, Germantown. So I, I know Germantown Avenue. What, what's the difference between Germantown Avenue and Germantown itself? Like, is that I mean, Old North? Look, Germantown Ave is a long strip. Got so it. there's Germantown Ave and Northern Liberties. They go all the way up. Um, but, you know, the, the part of Germantown that, that my family's from is like Wayne Junction, Wayne Avenue. Got it, um, got it. You know, it's, it's a very little unique spot tucked up town. <laughs> I mean, let's let's go early years. What was it like for you growing up just in the heart of Philly? And what did that mean to your journey in life? Yeah, man. I mean, like like most of us, bro, I started at super humble beginnings, you know. Um, Germantown's one of those drones where it's like, you know, it's uptown, but yeah, anybody who knows it well knows that the challenges of the inner city, you know, are just as evident there as they are in north, as they are in parts of Southwest, you know what mm. I mean? Um, so I grew up, you know, seeing a lot of things through the lens of my parents, you know, um, I got a pops who's, you know, been booked for the last 22 years at this wow. point, you know what I'm wow. saying? Pops, you know, he, he'd been down for a little minute. He'll, he'll still be there unfortunately for a little bit. Um, you know, so I grew up watching that. I grew up watching my uncles who also, you know, spent some time incarcerated, yeah. you know, and, because of that, I think it was one of those things where it was like, we didn't have a lot, but we had a lot of love in the, in the crib still. Mm-hmm. My grandmother made sure that that was what it was. Um, but seeing so you, my, you basically grew up with your grandmother most of the time. Yeah. I was raised by my grandmother just okay. because of what my dad was, was going through. My mom also was, was really battling a drug addiction for most of my life. Wow. So my grandmother was really like my rock for real. For wow. real. Um, yeah. and I think that, that all just informed who I was early. Cause, um, art, was my outlet to just understand mm. it all. You feel me? So it was like snotty nose kid raised by my grandmother, trying to just navigate, you know, growing up in the city. Yeah. Unfortunately, trying to like not go down the same paths that my uncles, my, my pops yeah. and all them was on. Um, but still trying to make my own way, you know? So it was a lot of 
just trying to create outlets for myself. And then over time, my grandmother was like, yo, we got to get out of this neighborhood if, mm. if you're really going to capitalize on an opportunity. And then at that point, I was almost trying to figure out how to fight that culture shock of moving from the inner city, you know, going the to church in the city, going to school in the city, and then going to the burbs. Okay. It was a whole different element. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, a hundred percent. Were you like, you like a fish out of water out there? For a little bit, for okay. a little bit, bro. But I feel like I quickly learned how to, how to like, how to speak the language, you know, mm. how to, how to really just understand how to move in a room full of, full of, full of folks who, who may not have understood what I was bringing to the table, who, who had prior conceptions on what it meant to be a young black kid from the inner city yeah. coming out to the burbs and, you know, what I was there for. So I quickly understood how to disarm people with language. I quickly understood how to, how to <laughs> navigate, you know, nice. Now, I mean, just going back to your parents, did did you, were you able to maintain a relationship with them, even though they weren't nearby? You know, did you see them kind of growing up still? I mean, it was hard, man. It was really hard because, you know, for the context of my grandmother who raised me, right? Like my grandmother raised like four sons before me, mm-hmm. right? One mm-hmm. of which was murdered, you know, by age 16. Wow. All the rest spent a lot, a long time in prison. So like, for for her at that time raising me and when I'm in middle school high school for real for real she was scared anytime I was like I'm about to go back to visit the fam I'm going back to the block you know what I'm saying she's like nah, nah, no you're not right she's like <laughs> you gotta like and I'm like boy like you know um so there was a little bit of that tension but you know obviously I made the space just to see my mom when I could you know when she was in position you know for us to make that happen um and then my dad I grew up you know I was my grandmother's road dog, you know, taking yeah. him trips across state to visit him. Okay, so that was, wow. that was just what it was, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm no stranger to that, but I will say, man, it got more challenging, you know, when I got into like the the college years where it was okay. like, it's just on me to make these decisions to really build this relationship and to be transparent okay. with you. It was one of those things where it was like the path I had chosen for myself. I didn't always feel that he could help me get there. Mm. You feel me? So I didn't really fully understand the value of really spending that time investing in that relationship yeah. until much later. But at this point, that that's my guy. You know what I mean? We, yeah, we yeah, call him yeah. every week. Oh, um, nice, nice. Yeah, we have a very beautiful relationship. But there was a time where it was really challenging just because it was like, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to make a lot of sacrifices. And um, for me, for a short period of time, not even short, for a period of time, it was like, yo, I ain't got time to be at the baby showers. I ain't got time to be here. I can't always sit down and write the letters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So it was one of those things where I had to kind of mature and really understand the value of that relationship. I'm really glad I did. Now, I mean, for me, just growing up in Brooklyn with a single mother, there were points in my life where I had resentment to my father. So, I mean, did you go through that piece? Because for me, there was a period of time and I had to brush a lot of that off my shoulders to finally rekindle that relationship. 100%, 100%, bro. I think you hit it on the head, man. There was a lot of that. Um, but I think when I was young, I didn't I didn't name it that. You okay. feel me? It was just like... <laughs> didn't know the I, label for it. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I ain't mad at you, but I ain't, ain't, ain't nothing there for me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But yeah. really, that was resentment. Really, that was anger. Really, that was, you know, senses of betrayal, abandonment, all these things. Um, and it took till much later, you know, when I really, like, invested in therapy and and really wanted to, to do that work. And I was right. like, I... I mean, therapy is a thing that, you know, our, our community doesn't necessarily always, you know, just embrace. So. Fact. <laughs> yeah. But I, that's and that's why I always, you know, I always share that part of my journey when I get the opportunity to, because it's the realest thing ever, bro. Like 
you know, you're, you're talking to someone who spent my twenties building a, a seven figure business yes. with my best friends. And like, yes. I'm proudly saying therapy was one of the most pivotal things that I did for myself. And, and mostly it's just because, because of the way we grow up, especially if you come from, you know, a situation that you or I come from, we walk around with all these weights in our backpack, mm. right? That again, if you don't have the language for, if the people around you don't really know how to, to, to address trauma and things like that, you don't even understand the emotions, much less yes. control them. And yes. if you can't control your emotions, nine times out of 10, they're going to control you. So for me, it was one of those things where like, I had to look that in the face because I'm like, I'm not just a freelancer doing my thing on my own. Like I'm building a real team. I have real employees who are counting mm. on me to show up, to show up consistent, to show up consistently my best. And I can't do that if I'm not doing the work to, to really like bring my whole self to the space. Got it. Know? So, so that was a key piece. Super. I mean, let's go to the college years, right? Because you, you were at least able to, you know, go to the burbs, kind of just assimilate and do what you had to do there. Where'd you end up going to school? Uh, so for college, I went to IUP, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Okay. And how far was that a trip for you? Were you staying local? Were you dorming? Oh, yeah, that was a trip. So Indiana is out near Pittsburgh. So it's like 45 oh, minutes from I, Pittsburgh. So it's it, a four it, and a half, five. Yeah, it's a five hour drive. Um, but I, that was a blessing, though. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like most of us, man, college was my first time really like on my own, figuring yep. it out. You know what I mean? Yep. Like you got to to navigate how you wanted to navigate, you know, with that newfound freedom uh, to a certain extent. And, and I used it for everything it was for, which in my mind was really about the social element, you know, mm-hmm. figuring out how to get out here and network. And, and I think college has a beautiful way of giving you a sample of what the world looks like, you know, in a, in a certain regard. And um, yeah, I was like, like super involved kid, you know what okay. I mean? I, I always tell people, I felt like I lived like three lives in college. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like super involved academically, Dean's okay. List. And, and that was really important to me, nice. but also super involved in my major. I was running the TV studio out there and nice. shows, but also I was making money to, to just make it all possible. Right. Because I had a scholarship throughout most of my college uh, career. And then toward the end, it was important to be like, hold on, the numbers ain't numbering. So. <laughs> Now, Entrepreneurialism now, came out. <laughs> that was it. I mean, was that your first touch at media and being able to be hands on with media nah. or where did that start? Nah, that started young, man. Um, I bought my first camera right after my 16th birthday. Nice. And um, it was a, it was a wrap from there. Like nice. I was in, I was in high school, deeply in anything I could do to, to, to do a class project that could involve media, I was doing it. You know what nice. I'm saying? We were doing science projects. Cool. I'm gonna make a video about this science experiment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, Cause I was that kid who like grew up watching music videos and like, true, true. you feel me? So like watching what was happening on 106 in park and, and watching just like that whole world in front of me, two things happened. I fell in love with the medium of just visual storytelling and all that. Okay. But secondly, I felt like early, I kind of, I kind of had, an inkling that what I was watching on TV had a big effect on how I saw myself. Mm. And I started to understand the power behind media, right? Okay. The power in owning and controlling the narrative. Yes. So after that, I was like, Oh, this is, this is how I'm going to spend my life. I didn't know what the model would look like, but I always knew I was going to build something in the media space. 
And, um, you know, after internships and this and that, you know, I got my opportunity to say, yo, let me just build this production company. And that's when it got real after college. But yeah, media has been a, a part of my life since early high school. Now, I mean, when you bring that up, did you think there were a lot of negative images in the media? And I bring that up because um, I had interviewed Brandon Frame from The Black Man Can. Mm. And, you know, he had this moment where he realized this from his following on social media, what he was looking at. He wasn't necessarily putting the most positive imagery into his head and his mind on a daily basis, which pushed him to create The Black Man Can. So, I mean, was it all negative stuff that and you felt like you had to change that? Or what was that vibe for you? You just, yeah. Yeah, in a way, um, you know, for me, like I've always been a nerd, you know, so I've really like studied the history of these industries, you know, that are yes. Hollywood, that are, you know, the music business, et cetera. Um, so it was really clear to me, OK, how come there's a lot of money out here and I see it because I go to this this high school now where I see how these white kids is living. Right. But also I'm noticing very clearly that a lot of the people around me ain't got none of it. Yeah. You feel me? So it was like, all right, well, how come the only people that I see with money are, are the people on 106 and Park, the people on TRL, et cetera? I'm like, hold on. There, there's got to be a disconnect. Because also I'm hearing all the stories about how these artists that I know are making the records that are, you know, a part of our lives, right? The, the records that people out here, you know, playing at the family reunions, at the cookouts, at the baby showers. But those artists who are making those records a lot of them died broke. Right. So for me, that was the thing. It was like, well, this is a disconnect. Like Mm. there's so much creativity and so much value being created, but how come like the people creating that value aren't owning it? There was no reason that TLC dropped the diamond album and they were driving rad fours. You gotta make (laughs) it make make sense. sense, My guy, you gotta make it make sense. Um, And and then after seeing that, right, I jumped out in the industry. I was first, you know, navigating as a videographer and then kind of playing like a pseudo management role for my homies who were rappers. Nice. And I could see how hard it was for artists to really do their thing. So that's when it clicked for me. I'm like, yo, there's a different way we could be doing this. And I think the Internet is going to be a huge part of it. So for me, myself, the story behind me and just blue is I was a rapper like a lot of the kids in Brooklyn. And as a rapper, I saw both sides of what artists had to go through. And I decided to be parts of those different things. So I did the videography. Mm-hmm. From videography, I learned photography yeah. to the point where I did brand management, managed DJs, through parties. And I am now podcasting. And what's funny is I... I I almost envy the fact that you were able to take these different experiences <laughs> and create this bigger thing. And and I think, but that's the beauty of it, right? It's it's having the mind to look at all these different things under all these different lenses and piece it all together. So I definitely want to jump right into the wreck because it, it's a great segue. I mean, obviously, I, you didn't start the wreck with with no funding, right? Or or, or did you? What, how did you even start the wreck after? finishing college yeah so first off uh I, I left college at the very end um you know a semester early and you, uh, so you left a semester early yeah so you I were mean, about you were this close to the finish line and you were like this not for me yeah and, wow. and, it, was, and it wasn't a this this ain't for me kind of thing because okay. i'm a kid who education is extremely important so right. like 
I was I was in the books. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some challenges. You know what I'm saying? I was Got doing it. my entrepreneurial thing and, and and it went left a little bit. I'll just, okay. I'll just leave it like that. <laughs> and by the time I could go back, I was already finding so much success in my in my lane that it was like this doesn't even make sense for me. Wow. Right? Wow. Um, but basically the way it started was I got home from college and while I was at school, I'm already throwing parties, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm DJing, I'm throwing concerts. And at the same time, my, my business partner, Dave, he's at Temple throwing mm. parties, throwing concerts. That's to see you. Yep. I, I went there for a year, so I could clean Temple whenever. Oh, wait, claim it, <laughs> claim it. I, I can't really claim it, but I, it's like, I've been throwing so many events there and <laughs> been around the circles. They claim me. You I feel you. I feel you. Um, but it was one of those things where as soon as I got back to the city, it was like, all right, Dave, let's 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 go and, and mm. let's let's mature this thing that that has been happening in this basement um, and let's take it to real venues. So we started the production company first, which was literally us just throwing shows and creating content for artists we cared about. Got it. And after throwing like we were literally throwing five shows a week at one point. That's crazy. And we had full time jobs at that point. Mm. So it was just grind, grind, grind. What were you doing as a full-time job? Oh, good point. Um, so as a full-time, at that point, I got recruited to work at a marketing agency okay. called Famehouse. Okay. So Famehouse is a really dope agency. They specifically do digital strategy and e-commerce for entertainment brands. Mm. So I'm a kid, again, I, I'm out here throwing parties around the city, don't got my degree yet, but I got headhunted to go in and become a digital strategist for this company. And they had me walking into a client roster of Ice Cube, Shady Records, Eminem. And they literally were like, yo, obviously you understand marketing. You're throwing these sold out shows around the city, (laughs) right? But let's really like give you some real classical training on what digital strategy looks like at the highest level. Okay. And I was really grateful for that because it really unlocked my brain to the world that is now direct to consumer, right? Now, Now, at that point, did you work directly with any of these artists or anything? Or was it kind of like the agency kept kept the bar up between you and like a cube or M. So every client was different for like an M you, the most is you talk to Paul. Yeah. Okay. Like close enough. Cause Marshall is like, you know, deal with that. You 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 not doing that, but you know, cube would be on calls every now and then and things like that. So there was a certain level of access there. Um, but my job was like, yo, get these marketing campaigns cooked up and then, Mm. you know, share them with the team who present them and things like that. Um, But anyway, but I'm learning digital strategy there and I'm realizing like the power of skipping the middleman and being able to build a powerful brand, communicate it clearly online, engage your fans and build revenue streams. And And what year was this just for everyone to be clear on that? Yeah. So this is like 2013 to like 2016. So people starting to understand the space, you know, the streams, people understand the streams a little bit better. Yeah, but this is early that early okay. in that era, right? This is definitely yeah. before Chance the Rapper really like waved the independent flag and people were like, okay, I get it. I can Got do it. this independent Got and it. still have a high level of success. Okay. Right. So let's say 2012 to like 2014, 15. Okay. That's probably more accurate. So anyway, I'm doing this, you know, throwing shows, working full time at the agency. And it got to a point where two things happened. One, so many of the artists that we really thought were amazing, were killing it. They would get on stage, blow everybody away, and then they would leave and they weren't collecting emails. They weren't selling merch. True. Facts. They weren't doing the very basic yeah. things to do if you're really taking yourself seriously yes. as a business. Yes. Right? It was basically, I'm hot, 
going to blow everybody away. <laughs> but then six months later, those same people are like, yo, Will, it's been dope, but we're about to move to LA because we got to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. Right. So the narrative kept becoming, you can't make it in Philly. You got to go to New York. You got to go to LA. You got to go to Atlanta. And at that point, I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I know too much. Like mm. I'm seeing, I'm working with a, an agency who is literally going on the internet, going direct to consumer. And we're building campaigns that are netting hundreds of thousands of dollars for these wow. artists. Wow. And they don't even got to do nothing. Right. So like the idea of the internet was a just destroying this idea that there was a certain place to win. Okay. You know? Okay. And and secondly, I'm like, come on, this is everything we need is here in Philly if we really look for it. We just gotta really know where to look. Um, so that's happening. And I'm at the point in time where it's like, yo, like we could be way more valuable to these artists than just putting them on shows. Like there's clearly a disconnect between I'm talented and I have a clear understanding of what the business model looks like. Mm. So at that point, we stepped back and was like, yo, what can we do that could really change the game here and really like be valuable for people and um long story short had this 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 epiphany and it was like bro we need space Mm. you know because the way we were doing it throwing five shows a week monday we at this dive bar tuesday we in south philly somewhere wednesday we over here but you it was really hard to build consistent community okay when you bounce around all these different places yeah and in philly it's like yo it's resources here, it's studios here, it's venues here. But it's like these people hang out at these venues and have these resources. And they Got definitely it. don't talk to these people who hang out over here. And it's like, because of that, no one has everything they need. So our, our whole concept was like, yo, what would it look like if we found a space where we could build the studios, both for visual artists, for recording artists, but more importantly, we could program it and bring the industry experts in to teach us all really what it looked like to build a business around our passion. Got it. Got it. And that's, that was the beginning. So, I mean, was your concept, did you automatically think of like a a WeWork type of scenario? Was that what you envisioned just for entertainment or not really? It it wasn't in the beginning about WeWork because at that time, like WeWork wasn't really the thing. Got it. And I hadn't really spent that much time at WeWork. Like there were other co-working spaces that I had kind of like been in, but really what I was, what I was kind of, inspired by was uber right Mm. the fastest growing transportation company and they owned no cars yes Yes. airbnb fastest growing hospitality company they didn't have to own any property yep so for me it was like at what point is resource sharing which is really what those models are yep gonna come to the entertainment industry where instead of us playing this dog eat dog game of i got these resources can't tell nobody it's like no let's build a resource network and allow whoever who understands how we move in to be able to tap in. So that was really the idea. So we wanted to build this creative space that you could be a member. And just like a gym, you come pay your gym membership, get asked what you need. You get off the treadmill, someone else can jump on, right? You go to the gym because there's other people there who may know the right routine for you to do to get the results you want. Yeah. Right. You go to the gym because there's a level of social accountability. You know, like the hardest thing about going to the gym is just getting there. <laughs> once, once you're there you see somebody putting up 350 you see the shorty who on the treadmill you're like i, can, I, I, can, I, I can get these sets off you feel me so, um, so i mean the the whole idea with the wreck all the equipment's there you just got to show everything, up everything is there all you got to do is show up ready to learn ready to get after it ready to collaborate you know with the right mindset and um you'll grow now i, I mean just based on 
this idea of, okay, you have this, you want people to gain success from it. What has success of the record looked like for you? And do you keep kind of KPIs in place to try to measure that success? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, but, you know, success looks different for the business and, 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 and for our members, right? Okay. But, yep. but success for our members, for me, it's there was this like period where people didn't really know how to measure our success because the model is different than pretty much everything we've yeah. seen before. Yeah. Right. So folks is like, yo, who at Rec got signed? Who at Rec yeah, yeah, yeah. doing? And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's, that's not that's the, not the... <laughs> right. So so for me, success is when a member comes to me after being a member for you know six months, a year, and they're like, Yo, Will, I did it. And I always know what they mean when they say that. What they mean, what they mean is, yo, I just quit that bullshit job that I hated because now I figured out how to actually build a sustainable business model around my actual passion, my yeah. actual talent. So for us, it's about, you know, people like a Ben Thomas, who was one of our earliest members, um, still in his, you know, his 20s. He's an engineer, like, right? Engineer, just got two Grammys the other night <laughs> Nice, you know I mean? as an engineer. Nice. Right. Like it's about opening these pathways to be able to do what you love to do and do that well, knowing that there's a, a network of like minded people supporting you. The, the educational resources are there. The tools are there. Um, but it's not about chasing the old success, which is the record deal or Hollywood. It's mm. have you built an audience of 10,000 people who love everything that you do? You know what I'm saying? Like, have you been able to to turn that into a real model so, for yourself? So almost if I could hear like the pitch for the wreck, right? It, it yeah. sounds like, all right, that's a piece of it. But mm-hmm. what exactly it kind of changes the mind frame of people when they step into the wreck to realize that? And, and what do people typically come first for? Is it, hey, I, I want to be an artist. Let me record here. Yeah. And then they have to be exposed to these things. What, what's that yeah. pitch for the wreck right there? Yeah. So I think the best way I started explaining it where people started to really get it was when I started to use the gym membership analogy. Okay. Okay. Right. Got it. At Rec Man, where it's an ecosystem that really exists just to make sure creatives could be more of what they love. So right? once, you're, once you're there, it's just going to naturally flow once you see everyone else doing these different things and you can connect with them. And I would say it's like a gym where you get in what you put, you get out what you okay. put in. Okay. Got right. Because a, a lot of times, man, we grow up in environments where like, a lot of the rappers I grew up with, their whole lives, they were conditioned to believe success was getting the record deal. Yes. Because it was like, all I got to do is rap. Everybody else is going to do everything else. But then you start getting people in trouble, TLC, you know what I'm saying? The, the list is long of people yeah. who didn't understand the business and that yeah. came back to bite them. So nine times out of 10, maybe not that high, but often people come for the tools, right? Okay. Yo, the okay. studio is fire. I, I just want to get in and do this because I'm hot. But then when they catch the vibe of the culture of the space, the community of the space, people tend to tell me like, yo, like, first off, just being in this space has expanded my mind to what's possible. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's because because the, the feeling in the industry, man, like, you know, the industry has doesn't have the reputation of being the friendliest place. You yes, know what I mean? True. So when you come into a space where like there's real community not just, oh, okay, we say community because we all work out of the same spot, but like, nah, people are genuinely trying to be helpful. People are genuinely understanding that your success can be wrapped up within theirs and they don't lose nothing, right? That's what I think really gets people to want to stay because it's like, oh, okay, just because I'm out here as an independent artist don't mean I got to literally do that 
alone. Yeah, by no, myself. 100%. 100%. Feel me? So they come for the tools mostly, but then they they stay for the education, they stay for the community. And um, I think the most successful members go on and really build that that foundation of their business. And most of our success, most successful members, they get paid more from rec through our agency than they even pay to be a member. Wow. Because all wow. while they're in the gym, putting in their work, getting the reps in, they're learning, they're becoming more professional. We build an agency that literally exists to create paid opportunities for our members. Nice. So, you know, over the last few years, we've been able to pay out almost $2 million directly in the hands of, of wow. independent creators Wow! because of the model that we've developed. And, and how many members do you have now? Right now, we're at about 1,100 active members. Wow. Wow. So $2 million. <laughs> almost. That's not That's not a bad split. <laughs> I know, not obviously, not everyone's getting the same cut. Or... You know, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not the same cut. But... So let's talk about the agency part because I think that, that part is definitely a, a nice bolt on, if you would call it to have there. What does the agency look like and what does the agency specialize in? I mean, you mentioned it's basically trying to get the value and and the revenue streams in, um, but what key areas? Yeah. So the three sweet spots for our agency are digital storytelling. So content creation, whether that's documentaries, commercial work, photos, whatever. Um, Secondly, just straight talent booking. Right. Okay. Yo, I just I just need an artist for this project I'm working on or I need a performer for the holiday party, whatever that looks like, concerts, et cetera. Um, and then the third part of it is event planning. Okay. Right. So we do, you know, real life or digital or virtual events. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like top to bottom. Right. So we're doing all full production. Right. We're, we're doing the talent. We're doing the stage managing. We're doing all of that. And when we land those contracts, we literally go right into our our community. And a member of our community, like a photographer, can literally pick up the rec app and be like, oh, snap, there's 12 different gigs happening this weekend that I can apply to to be able to take. Right. So the idea of waking up and seeing paid opportunities that you would not have otherwise even known were happening Mm. is democratizing opportunity in a way that we haven't seen in our industry before. Wow. You know? Now, I mean, is that exclusive now to only Philly? And I mean, I know you have aspirations of taking the wreck everywhere right um is that limited to local and then can someone get agency services without having to physically be a member of the wreck i'm anna a transgender woman and i'm cam your dad and this is the transgender join anna as she chronicles her transition and cam as he learns how to be a supportive parent this podcast is about embracing differences and finding common ground. It's a roller coaster of emotions, laughter, and genuine connection. Tune in to new episodes of The Transgender Biweekly. Subscribe and listen to The Transgender on your favorite podcast platform. Love you all, except the bigots. Yeah, so um, I'll answer the last part first. Okay. So if you hit me up, excuse me, and, and you're like, yo, I'm about to be in Philly for this or that thing or anywhere in the region. And I just need a couple shooters to do this and editors, yada, yada, yada. As a client, you don't need to be a member of Rec. Got it. But when we fulfill those services, nine times out of 10, I'm going to hire members of Rec to fulfill that work. Right. That's what it's all about. It's all about feeding our ecosystem. Right. Um, But no, man, I don't think we've just solved the Philly problem. And, And I think there's communities around the world who need a model like this. 
to really be able to maximize what's happening there. Um, so for us, man, I'm super excited. We're about to go and open up our second location. Um, we we'll be open in Miami, Rec Miami. This nice. year, congratulations! Very exciting. Thank you. Nice. Um, and like you alluded to, man, I, I really I see our vision as we'll have fifty locations around the world because I think it's special to be able to say, "Yo, I could build my business from my hometown, right?" And I could build my following online. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. But, facts. But, the, but the next piece is I got to be able to go and touch the people. I got to go tour. I should be able to travel the world. Again, knowing there's like-minded people waiting for me in that city. There's resources and tools there. I ain't got to try to find a CD studio and hope people not trying to get over it, right? All that. Um, and, and, and there's real collaborators there. And you know that if they're a rec member, there's a certain ethos. There's a certain place they're coming from, a certain heart space, because they're a part of something that's bigger than them. Mm. And that's what it's really all about. It's... You know, I hope it's a mindset shift that's going to come from this new nice. tool that we've been able to present to folks. Now, I mean, outside of just the weather and how beautiful Miami is, <laughs> why why well, Miami hey. before other cities? What what made you choose that? And, and not to say, hey, these aren't cities that are next on the table, but before Detroit, before right. St. Louis, why Miami? Yeah, there's a number of reasons for why Miami. Um I think the 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 main ones for me are I really wanted to go to a city that was similar to Philly in the sense that there was a high amount of talent and a high amount of culture, mm. but a low level of industry infrastructure in certain wow. ways, right? Wow. And I think Miami checks that box. I even think of Detroit, right? A Chicago, a lot of these cities check that box. But the one thing that Miami has that, I, and this is as a diehard Philly lover, one thing Miami has that Philly doesn't is Miami is really a world-class city when you think about the visibility it has on the world stage. Yes. I know that I'm building an international model. Nice. And I, and I know that being in Miami is going to be very helpful in bringing the people who are going to walk into rec, you know, because they heard about it or whatever, and they're going to be very excited to want to take it back to where they're from. Nice. So I think Miami is really smart because again, it's, high talent, high culture, low industry infrastructure. But if I'm being honest, also like the local government there mm-hmm. is very friendly to startups. Okay, the local nice. government there is, well, one, friend, friendly to businesses. The, the tax nice. is amazing. Um, but but after that, man, it's also like they understand and respect culture there. Mm. And that's really important mm. to me. Um, and we can get into it deeper, but it's just like, man, it, it, it meant something to me that I could walk around in a city like Miami in the mayor's office or in Atlanta. And I was looking at people of color who had actual power. Got it. That ain't, that ain't representation matters. Yeah. It ain't like that in every city. Yeah. Um, but those are some of the reasons, but, but really it's about, they have a lot of amazing talent there. And I know that the model is going to lend itself well. And then, yeah. and then the final thing I'll just say is uh, we also have um a really amazing um, investor that we've partnered with for our nice. and um, soon I'll share, we'll get to share who that is. And, okay. and he has a deep affinity for Miami that, <laughs> that also made a lot of sense in the grand vision. Verdict's out. 
Beards are cool in your face, but not below the waist. Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Check them out 20% off right now when you use the code BLUEDOPE on manscaped.com. Get you the new lawnmower 4.0. It's waterproof. Join the 4 million plus men that are using it. Ladies, you can get it as a gift, right? It doesn't need to just be something the fellas go get ourselves. Self cares taking a whole new level for men so get manscaped get right get tight comes with a whole set of stuff loving the whole kit that it comes with check it out blue dope so just speaking about funding right i'm gonna go back to that because it sounds like you started very small i understand there was a couch involved in in the story and i i want to know just that journey financially of when you realize, you know, I made the right choice. This mm. was a good decision. I can provide for myself with this. I, I want to hear about that financial part from you. Sure. I mean, look, before I got to that point where I realized I made the right decision, there was a lot of long nights, <laughs> early mornings, and and a lot of challenges, man. Yeah. Like, again, I come from humble beginnings. So yes. like, not only do I not come from a family of business owners, mm. I definitely don't come from a family of people who know what it looks like to raise venture capital. <laughs> you feel <laughs> me? Like, and it's funny because like in VC and like in just like the startup world, yeah. when you go raise money for the first time, traditionally they're like, oh, that's your family and friends round. Right? Okay. Okay. Where you just going to go hit up the homies. You're going to hit up your no. family. They yeah. all going to give you a couple hundred thousand. There was no. none of that for no. us. Series A are strangers at that point. Super, you know? Um, so there was none of that family and friends round stuff, man. Like I can't overstate just like how it was just, yo, we're going to get this out the mud and we're going to reinvest every dollar we can just to get the smallest possible version of the product to mm-hmm. people. Right. Mm-hmm. And we did that for years in a warehouse in North Philly. And, you know, most of that journey building while we were there in that space, uh, like you were alluding to, even our members didn't know, but I was living in that warehouse <laughs> on the low, just straight up. Like where'd you had, shower, bro? <laughs> yo, it was nuts. They had a shower in the basement, but like <laughs> every other week that there. was broke. I was at planet fitness. Like just, <laughs> yo, I got this membership really to just hit the shower. Like that's funny. That's, that's genius though, <laughs> bro. It's real. You get real creative when you ain't got it, man. <laughs> Um, Yo, I'm not gonna lie. I was sharing a story with my engineer that my producer that I used to have an audio engineer when I was an artist that my man's lived in the studio. He was in a warehouse in a studio in North Jersey. My problem was eventually he just dipped. He disappeared. And he went, I think he went back to Texas. So I, I, that was, <laughs> I, used to think, yeah. I hope man's is good. Man. I hope so too, man. But I get it. I get it. And, and it was one of those things where, um, you know, we were reinvesting everything we could in the business and the business was growing. At that point, we had gotten to, you know, over 350 or so members in the warehouse. And this right? is in a small, much smaller space at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, the whole space, literally, we started in one room that was like 600 square feet. Over time, reinvesting, reinvesting. By the time we got to the end of our journey at the warehouse, we had like six or seven rooms. Wow. But the whole footprint was like 2,500 square feet. Yeah. yeah so it's still it pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, how much you know about like the Philly rap early? Like you remember like Joey Jahad and like Meek Mill, like in that era, the DVDs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where our studio was? I don't know if you ever saw, man, I hope Hattie's good. But the spot where Joey Jahad got knocked out at, okay. I don't know if you remember that video. I, nah, I don't remember okay, that Okay, all right. But, but, but that's what you want. It's a legendary video, infamous. Well, I feel, I feel listeners don't know where it is. Don't so. know. 
that's where we was at. We was right there at Ninth and Dolphin. Literally, okay. first time I saw the building, I was like, where I know this from? <laughs> um, but yeah, man, so we were stugging it out there. And once we got to a certain spot where it was like, yo, we ain't got no heat, no AC. But <laughs> but but it's a Friday night and I got a full house in here because wow. everyone's here for this panel. And we're wow. going to sweat it out learning. Wow. I was like, yo, there's something, something really is. special here. And we're not going to get this to the level that our members deserve in a short enough time doing it the way we're just reinvesting. And that's when we decided to raise some capital, nice. um, which was extremely challenging at first. Um, but after we did it and, and we cut that ribbon and I saw the, the the looks on the faces of members, I saw how my staff reacted when we were able to finally pay them full salaries and full benefits. Wow. That's when I knew I was like, I absolutely made the right decision. Now, I mean, we spoke about members, but how big is the staff even right now, then and then right now? Yeah. So when we were in the warehouse, there were six of us. Okay. You know, and that was most of folks were either volunteers or I was like, yo, I got a couple hundred dollars wow. a month. Like wow. it was just off the the passion, wow. you know, people wanted to be there. Um, you know, and I credit Dave and I's leadership to that, you know, uh, as well. But we're now we're in Center City. Now we're in Center City in the mall that I grew up in. You know which, what I'm saying? Which mall? In the gallery. You're in the gallery? Yeah, bro. I have 10,000 square feet in the gallery. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, are there still stores in the gallery? Yeah, but they done they done redid it. They put about <laughs> half a billion dollars and, and flipped it into some dope high-end stores and experiential you know, stuff. The, the gallery was my hangout when I didn't feel like going to Cherry Hill when I was at Temple. Yeah, so that's right where we're at, man. Wow. And um, and we got about there's about 24 of us on the team now. Wow. Dope. That's dope, yeah. man. Now, now a lot of positivity in that. I definitely know in the recording space and you could not always pick who comes to record and take part. Did you ever have any crazy situations in studio outside of just the family type of culture field that was there? No, no, beautiful, no, bro. And that's what I'm most proud of. Like yes. throughout this whole journey, man, again, like we're introducing this idea of like resource sharing, right? Yeah. Like I got all the studios and like, again, just to put it in context, right. This was at the time where it was normal for people to pay $50, $60, $70 an hour to, mm-hmm. to record at a studio. Mm-hmm. You used to be an artist. You know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, of course. When we were in the warehouse, people were paying $40 a month to have access to studio time. Right? So we flipped the model on its head and people were like, this is too making good to pennies be on the. You feel yeah, me? Yeah. But again, like it's a whole different model. Cause it's wow. like, when you get that studio time, it doesn't come with someone else's time. You get access to the space. So you could bring your homie here, but you know, we might have equipment that's a little further along than what you have at your, yeah, at your crib. Yeah. Right. It's a resource sharing thing. So, so you bring your own engineer with you. Is yes. That the, or, or, or you, you could, open the app and connect with one of the nice. 60 engineers in our program. Right. And you got to do the album cover. There's a photographer on site. I type music video right photographer, and I got 70 people who come up, right? Wow. And that's the level of efficiency the it's about building. And then it's but, about just booking the space and making sure it's available, the time slots. Exactly. Okay. So when we started doing that again at Ninth and Dolphin in North Philly, the fact that we were where we were, not any members or anyone just from the neighborhood, like we have no problems, bro. Wow. Not wow. one reported theft. Not one instance of some, you know, somebody mixing in the studio. Like, nah, like everybody knew we need this. Exactly. And there was a high, we need this. Exactly. There was a high level of respect for what we were doing for the community. And it's like, it's a little different when 
you run your own mom and pop studio. That's dope. If somebody does you dirty, they ruin the relationship that y'all have. Yeah. But when you start to think about the ecosystem we've built, the community we've built, if somebody come in wilding out, they didn't just burn the bridge with me. They've kind of burned the bridge with the community. community. Right. And that level of accountability is the same thing that took us from don't get in the car with strangers <laughs> to now I get in the car with strangers every single day via Uber. Right. Just check their rating real quick. Right. But, but what models like that and what models like mine do is we have a, a, an ability to be able to scale trust. Yes. You feel me? Yes. So it went from, oh, I'm from North. So I'm not collabing with the rapper from Southwest. To, <laughs> no, now we all rec members. Let's get busy because okay. we all here for the same wow. thing. Wow. You feel me? And and that's the culture that we've been it, able to Is there build. a rating system in the app? It's coming soon. It's coming soon. <laughs> there you go. There you <laughs> go. You just engineer five stars. Right. Real nice. tough. Real nice. Tough. So, I mean, you got Miami on the horizon. What's what's next after Miami? Because you said international. So if you could name an international spot that's peaking your interest right now, where would that be? Man, I'm, I'm trying to go back to the motherland, bro. Mm. I want to put Rec Acre on the map. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I would love to to see what's going on in Brixton over in London. Oh, yes, yes. Rec London, Rec Tokyo. Mm. Um, but, you know, but before we go there, <laughs> you know, Rec San Juan. And before we go there, you know what I'm saying? We got to do Wreck Atlanta. We got to do, you know, Wreck Houston, Wreck Austin. You know, I want to do Wreck LA. So it's really going to be um, a few phases. Um, but but after Miami, we want to be very aggressive, you know, because I know that the time is now. And I feel like the world is catching up to what we've always known to be true, which was that the creator economy is where it's at and where mm. it will be. I mean, what's really interesting about that is that there are a lot of fields that people just feel are oversaturated, yeah. right? Yeah. There are too many rappers. There are yeah. too many photographers. There are too many models. There's too many this. You've kind of flipped that. It's not true. Oh, it's not true. It's to me. It's just- Ele- Elaborate on that because yeah. I, I want to I hear it from you. Yeah. So look, if we talking about the old model, right, which was- we got to hope the label is going to pick us up, validate us and tell us that we're hot and then value our music and decide whether or not my album gets released and then tells me how much of that money I deserve to have. Then it could be too many rappers because not everyone can get picked. True. Right. True. But in the new model, there are 8 billion people on the planet. Mm. And if you convince only 1000 of them, not 100,000, not a million but if you can get a thousand people who truly love everything you do, what you're about, what you stand for, at that point, all you got to do is figure out how you can get, give enough value to those a thousand people that they want to give you a hundred dollars this year. Mm-hmm. And you can easily do that. Shows, merch, you know, exclusive mm. content, meet and greets. Like you can get so creative with what that looks like. So the fact that success no longer needs to be, I'm a household name. Success can be, yo, I got a thousand, three thousand, ten thousand people who love me. You can win. You know, I'm no mathematician, but that was a hundred grand right there, real quick, that you just to, put out there. Right. And to most people, that's a very good living. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, when you think about it that way, mm. it ain't there's too many rappers. Because <laughs> the way you rap, what you rap about may not speak to the next person. Yes. But I know that, you know, they'd be like, yo, I'm a one in a million kind of person. Just by the numbers, if you're one in a million, that means there's 8,000 people on the planet who are exactly like you. Wow. 
just by the numbers. Wow. And and wow. what we teach is here's how to use this thing to get to, to them. get to it. See, so, so I'm, I'm gonna go back to just this question. So I mean, me being in New York, can I become a member of Direct to take advantage of some of those services just out the gate? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got members right now in Baltimore, tons of members in Jersey, you know, members even in DC who just come up once a month to just get busy in the podcast studio, do whatever mm. they got to do, and then go back. So short answer, absolutely. And I'm, I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking out loud here. I'm just like, shoot, I'm a photographer. If someone rolls up to New York, I'm in, I'm in the whole vibe. Like someone yep. could, boom, I'm going to hit Blue up. Get yep. this photography going. 100%. Nice. Let's nice. make that happen, Blue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, already, yo, I'm already thinking out loud right here. And I know all, all the listeners will be too. I mean, to go back to family life, right? Yeah. Um, what does, is grandma still around? And and what is what is her thoughts on her, her, her baby boy doing all this stuff? It's, it's crazy, man. Um, she's really proud, bro. Yeah. You know, which obviously makes me super happy. You know, she ready for that crib now. It's time to Uh-oh. buy grandma my house soon. <laughs> there you, <laughs> you go. feel me? Um, you but go. it's like, man, there's been certain milestones as of late that like, I'm not going to say we're surprises because like my grandmother has always been in my ear of like, yo, you could do whatever you want to do. Right. Type, yeah. type vibe. But like when I get to do things where like I'm speaking, you know, alongside Damon John at the Apollo mm, Theater. I love right? Damon John. Yeah, that's my guy, man. Shout out nice. Damon. Nice. But being able to like speak alongside Damon at the Apollo Theater, my grandmother in the front row, like those are the moments where she's just like, epic. You did it. You feel yeah. me? And yeah. um, so that's what it's all about, bro. At this point, it's like we got to put grandma up and and really give her what she deserves for how much work she done put in, you know? No, no. Uh, a thousand, ten thousand percent. It's fast. Um, I'll tell you this. I felt like the my entire career. She always supported, but I didn't know she always understood exactly what I was doing. Yeah. Right. But she just believed in me. But the energy shifted when she saw the name in the Forbes list. <laughs> you know, the energy like, oh, you're in Forbes. <laughs> you know, and, and not not in, in a weird way, but she was just like, wow. She's like, I don't gotta get it, but clearly it's working. It's there. It's there. <laughs> you feel me? Now, I mean, clearly, I would say what you've done and created in creating accessibility for your hometown is giving back to the community in itself. Um, outside of direct, how do you get involved right now with the city of Philly? Man, that's, that's everything, bro. Um, you know, I serve on a number of nonprofit boards. Nice. Um, most of which, not most, all of which are really about making sure that young people have access, right? Whether that's fighting food insecurity, you know, mm. one of them is a urban farm. I, I sit on the board of a farm, Oh, just nice. blocks away from the old warehouse where we started. Um, I mean, because Philly's probably considered a food desert. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So it was really important. So being able to to, to support the farm and, and show people that, yo, like, where are you from? You can learn how to grow food right in this yeah. land and, and be able to, to, to cook it up and eat healthy and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, there's that. So I do a bunch of board service. But the things that I do that I'm most proud of is, you know, we built this model for REC, which is beautiful. But when we teach our members the, the curriculum of how to build their business, we pay our members to go into high schools and community centers to pay it forward and teach and teach wow. the next generation. Right. Wow. So that's really like where, where it's at for me, because it's like 
if someone came into my my high school who looked like me when I'm in ninth grade and taught me about ownership, taught me like, yo, I ain't got to go and put the tie on and talk weird, you know, to get the money and all that. It's like, oh, all right, well, I'm over here with it because I've always been talented, you know? Mm -hmm. So we get to do things like that. Um, Currently really proud of an agency project we're doing right now where we've um, engaged the city. The city of Philadelphia has hired us to consult with them. So we're going to be building satellite rec campuses in neighborhood around the city, which is super powerful. Government funded? Yeah. Beautiful. man. Like, you know how in Philly, I don't know if it's the same in New York, but in Philly, every neighborhood got a basketball court. And next to the basketball court, there's a building, right? A little community mm-hmm. center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we um, are about to transform our first couple this year wow. into satellite recs, essentially wow. into like business incubators. Got, yeah. We're going to identify some of the entrepreneurs that are in these neighborhoods and then fund them to build out whatever their business is, give them mentorship and, and, and teach them whatever they need to really perfect the model. And then they'll be able to do that and also run youth programming in these community centers. So for me, it's about how do I create that same level of access and, and, and opportunity to the young people who, you know, if we don't grab soon enough, I already know what it looked like as yeah. the alternative. You feel yeah. me? 100%. Um, yeah. So I spent a lot of time doing stuff like that. Then there's like the big cleanup, you know, there's a lot, but that stuff is like so near and dear to my heart that like, it's all it, good. It, yeah. it don't feel like some extra thing. Like that's just what we supposed to do. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. At least for, for me, that's how for, I feel. for the young wills that are out there that need those opportunities, that need that vision. Straight up, bro. Now, I mean, with all the stuff that you're doing, I, I ask this question a lot to entrepreneurs. How do you turn it off every day? And what do you do for your own self-care? Yeah. I'll be honest, bro. I'm just now finally figuring that out. <laughs> that ass. I hear that now. too often from entrepreneurs, man. <laughs> it you know, is what it is. Look, man, working on hard. One, yeah, on one hand, it's like I want something most people don't have, so I got to do what most people won't do. Um, but then as I get older, you know, I just hit 30, you know, so like now it's like, all right, hold on. <laughs> Self-care cuz I got to I got to be at optimum output. Yes. Um, for me I'm learning that that travel really really like fills my cup. Um nice. during the pandemic, I I, I learned about how amazing Puerto Rico was. Nice. So I'm good for a quick getaway. That's <laughs> me meditating by a waterfall somewhere in, in <laughs> El Yunque, you know what I mean? Um, and then in the short, the short like spans, you know, I'm I'm an avid, you know, meditator, you know, I'm, I'm gonna make sure I get the meditation and if I'm nice. doing else, you know, I'm gonna get the prayer in. Okay. You know? Um, and for me, like what inspires me is is really just like those, those real conversations with the people around me and, and and we could really just dig into what's the world we want to live in. You know what I, I mean? You. Let's, let's kick it and chop it up about that and, and things that we know can be impactful. How, how do you handle relationships, whether it's, um, you know, romantic or just even keeping friends with your work schedule? Yeah. Look, I'm in a relationship now and I'm very grateful. My queen is amazing. And um, this is probably the first time that I can say I really, really have been treating my relationship the way it, sh- it should be treated. There you go. You know, that's that, that's that 30 hitting. You feel me? Switch <laughs> <laughs> is real. Um, but I'll be honest, man, before now, bro. And, and, you know, everyone has their own way to get to their end goal. But for me, I think you have to be real with yourself that you could do whatever you want to do out here. You can accomplish whatever. 
but you also have to be real with yourself that something's got to be sacrificed, Mm. you know? So for me, like, I never really took dating that serious until now because it was like, yo, I know what, what the priority is. Yeah. Straight up. And then on the friendship level, it was like, all my homies are trying to build something, you know what I mean? So it's like, for the most part, those are the people I'm choosing to spend my time around. Cause those are the people who like understand me, you know what I mean? And like at a certain time, it's like, you got to, again, respect the truth, which is you are who you spend your time with. Now I'm, I'm going to ask you a, a, a deep question here now, just in regards to your upbringing and, and even your parents, does that ever put fear in you now when it comes to building and creating your own family? Does what exactly? Thus, them not necessarily being there for you, or you know that situation not really working. That's a that's a beautiful question. Um, you know, for me, man, I I'm such a big advocate of mental health and and therapy and things like that because I I think it's important for me to do those things to break that cycle. Yes. You know, um, the again the reason why I never really valued a relationship is because I knew that I wasn't ready to build a family. I knew that I wasn't ready to be a father. I wasn't ready to be a partner. So it was like, I'm not even going to fake the funk, right? So I'm going to put everything into what what is really important to me, which is building something that's going to help change the world in the way that I see it, build something that's going to build some generational wealth. So that way, like, when I do build a family, I can actually- good. You know what I'm saying? Um, So that's just kind of how I saw it, you know? But it's important to to not pass that trauma down, you know? And if we're being real, a lot of times, like we start families before we really have our foundation laid facts. And then that just perpetuates the cycle. So for me, it was like, yeah, come on, we can hang out. But like, you already know, like, I gotta go because business is business and business <laughs> is business. Like, I, I mean, we, we didn't talk about it, but did you kind of regain your relationship with your birth mother? I did. Okay, I nice. did. And nice. and for me, it's it's gotten to the point of maturity where it's like we have a decent relationship, but I finally come to 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 find peace with like it is what it is. And I don't want it to be what it's not. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes when like, you know, you have a, a strained relationship with a parent, it's like you still long for it to be something that it's not right. Like, but, you know, for me, we That's got to a place face value. Yeah. And that's cool. And I don't, I don't need it to be anything other than that. I love my mother. She is amazing. She is a joy to be around. Nice. But also I know that there's things that I can't go to my mom for (laughs) just to be real. You feel me? Like, and, and we've built that relationship where it's like, yo, like I'm I'm, I'm proud of both of us. Yes. You know, very dope. Now without showing too much favoritism, I, I want to end off with just coming out of the wreck, right? The wreck Philly, you know, wreck Miami's on the way, but the wreck Philly, who is, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with two things near and dear to me. Sure. Well, number one, artist, I'll I'll be free, whether no genre, any genre, right? Okay. Your favorite artist that we need to look out for that's just been killing it out of the wreck. And then also the, the best podcast, your favorite podcast Without too much favoritism, if you don't Bro. want to say one, give me a top two or three. But I need I need a few joints that our listeners will be like, all right, I'm going to check it out because yeah. this man who built the wreck says they're going to be hot or they're hot now. 
Man, yo, that's super hard, bro. You make me on the spot, bro. You making me play favorites for oh, real, bro. <laughs> Thousand members, right. but I'm, I'm, I'm a lot. It's a lot of amazing talent. Eleven hundred, but I'm restricting you right now. Top three. All right, so I'm gonna start with the podcast first. Okay. So I just recently did one, so it's a little bit top of mind. Um, we have a member named Nate Evans Jr. who has a podcast called Change What We Normalize, mm. and um. He's just a super good brother, does nice. amazing, amazing work. Um, so I'm going to say that's one of my favorite podcasts. Nice. And, and then uh, also I'll say um, Marquise Devon. Okay. He's dope. Marquise Devon Richards. He has a couple podcasts um, okay. that are all dope. He's nice. a, his whole thing is like connecting, connecting the hood to like the scholar community. And and he's someone right in between it and, and really tackles a lot of beautiful issues for our people in a way that he makes them beautifully plain. So folks nice. can get clear and then activate. So I'm going to say those two for the podcast front. Um, and then let's talk artists, man. There's so many. There's literally like <laughs> I got bands in my mind. I got. Okay. So I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a take an easy way out. And I'm going to say there's a poet that I'm going to say. Ah, who I think is really, really special. Um, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you two. <laughs> okay. Louis Marrero. Okay. Beast. We actually have a, a live at Rec. We do this live performance series on our YouTube, so you can go check that out. Okay, Louis Marrero nice. live at Rec. Um, and Visionary, the poet. Both of them are phenomenal. Nice. Nice. Phenomenal. Phenomenal poets. And, and my last question of the of the evening is: um, I definitely wanted to be on Rockefeller growing up. Did you want to be on State Prop? Was that your dream? Was that your original dream? It wasn't state prop. It was it was just like yours. I was trying to be on Rockefeller too, bro. Okay. Come on, like. There you go. You you wanted the Seagull deal. You wanted the, the state prop jeans yourself. You wanted your own joint, the rec you jeans. Know what I mean? You know, I had the S dots on and all that. So I'm like, all right, like. Pro kids. Give me the chain. When is chaining yeah. day, man? There, there you go, man. <laughs> but yo, it's been real, man. You always had an affinity for Philly. So I'm definitely, I, I want to come down and check out the rec. Please. Because to, I can't imagine it being in the gallery. And I think that's beautiful that you were able to take that space and do something more and different. For all the listeners out there, I just wanted to know where can they find you? Where can they find the wreck? Yeah. And, you know, I heard you might have something else in the works real quick that we didn't even get into, but yes, what should sir. they look out for? Well, look, if you want to keep up with my story, my journey, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and the website as well is the Will Toms, T-H-E, Will, my last name, T-O-M-S. So follow me on the gram and do all that. And yes, man, I'm really excited. I actually have my very first book coming soon. Nice. Um, it drops on Friday, May 6th. Pre-orders going on soon. in a couple of weeks, very soon. Um, and what it is, it's called Uncommon Sense, Your mm. Strategy Guide to Creative Freedom. So for everyone out here who's a creative, you're trying to figure out how you can build a passion or build your business from your passion. That's what it's all about. So nice. after talking to thousands of creatives over the years, I've been able to really distill it down to the 10 ideas that we need to really understand how to build that sustainable business so we can get to creative freedom and, and live how we're trying to live out here. So check that out. That's coming out on May 6th. But again, the Will Toms on Instagram is where you can find me and then just wreck Philly. On I mean, your, your TED talk with one gem was a, was a lot. So for you to go into 10 topics, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> looking forward to it. I appreciate that, brother. 
But yo, it is what it is, man. We looking out for that book. Our pre-orders as soon as they yeah. come out, look out for it, everybody. It's blue dope. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Blue Dope and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, you can follow the crew on Instagram at Blue Dope TV.